I'm please again. Psalm 149, we'll read very quickly verses 1 through 4 as our foundation. When you have it, say amen. Amen. When, you, when you're dignified, you say amen. The God of Israel. All right. Okay. Let's read that together. Ready, read. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. We're talking tonight again on the subject beautified with salvation, beautified with salvation. Lord, thank you tonight for giving us opportunity to spend this time in your word. Lord, I thank you for the anointing that is upon your word already, the anointing that, that is upon me, and I ask that God that anointing will be upon all those who are listening, viewing here, and at home, wherever they may be, that God, the word will penetrate our hearts and get into the soul of our hearts and produce in us what you sent it to produce. Thank you that it is so without any hindrance or distraction. We thank you. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may take your seats. Beautify with salvation. Praise God. Very quickly in the matter of review, we've been trying to talk to, uh, get across the point that God wants everybody to know the truth about his love and what he's given to us through Jesus Christ. How many of y'all are glad about that? I'm glad about it. You understand more and more about God's love. God loves us. Yes. Say, say, God loves me. And the only way that we can get free from the devil and all his stuff, sin and sickness and disease and poverty and lack and debt and depression and oppression and addictions and all those good things, all those evil things, I should say, uh, is, to, is to know the truth. Jesus said in John 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth, come on, and the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth, we imply the truth you know, shall make you free. So it's important to God that you and I know the truth. Yeah, right? Amen. Talked about before how Satan has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Yes. Okay, so they can't believe the truth. But we are those who believe the truth. Now what is the truth? Remember Pilate asked that question. What is truth? He asked Jesus, what is truth? Well, Jesus already told us in John 17 what truth is. In fact, let's look over there in John 17 this is, this is uh, the Lord's Prayer. Everybody say the Lord's Prayer. Not our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name of the kingdom come. That's not the Lord's Prayer. That's our prayer. He told us that's how you pray. The Lord's Prayer, we see him praying here in John 17. Somebody just got a light bulb. John 17. And I'm going to start at verse 15. Jesus, he's praying, talking to the Father. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. He's talking about his disciples. He said, I'm not praying that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. King James says, from, e from the evil. You see that? You'll see he said, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. 
Remember Paul comes on later on and says that we live in a present evil world? So this is an evil world. He says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm asking you to keep them from the evil one or from the evil. So although there's evil all around us, he said, I'm asking you to keep them from it. Is this registering anybody's heart right now? I'm asking you to keep them from this evil. Now let's keep going here. See if y'all catch up with me. Verse 16. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. So I'm not of this world. Say it. I'm not of this world. Verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. That's worth highlighting or underlining in your Bible if you can. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Okay? So the word of God is truth. And he said by that, that's how we're sanctified. Now I grew up in what we call a sanctified church. Nobody else, okay? So I grew up in what was called a sanctified church. Sanctified. I, okay, I had some hands. Well, no, no y'all was kind of embarrassed. Yeah, me too. That's a Sanctified church. I grew up in a sanctified church. We call it a holiness church. And uh, we were trained, you know, sanctified and holiness meant all about, you know, how you wore, you know, your, your clothes and everything. And I think there's, there's some truth to that now. Don't throw all that out. I, I agree, you sh we shouldn't dress like the uh, uh, pimps and harlots. Y'all y'all quiet right here. Don't, don't, don't let our children dress like pimps and harlots. Because the Bible talks about us being modest, women being modest. I think women ought to be modest, men ought to be modest too. There's <laughs> men putting on stuff today. Uh, but we were trained, you know, sanctification is all about those out, outer things, but that's not what it really is. Sanctification is about the heart. Sanctification means to be set apart, be separated. And Jesus said that this sanctification happens by the truth. Your word is truth. Are y'all with me on this here? Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world, and for their sakes... I sanctify or I separate myself that they also may be sanctified or separated by the truth. So the truth separates us. You, you got you to understand, this is why, why in the midst of COVID freakality, there's so much separation between you and other people you know. Because they're going by facts and you're going by truth. Yes, sir. Isn't that the same thing? No, they're not. Because facts can change. But truth endures to all generations. You see? Oh, yeah, there are facts. There are people who get sick and people die and all that kind of stuff. But the truth is, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The truth is, I am the healed, protecting my health. I'm not trying to get healed. I am the healed. See, that's the truth. And see, when well, you know the truth, that separates you, it sanctifies you, it sets you apart from other people. It'll separate you from this world system. See? And so we got to know that truth in our hearts. Amen? Give me John verse, uh, chapter 17, give me verse 15 in the Living Bible. John 17 verse 15 in the Living Bible. I want you to see what this says here. They'll get it here in a second. Because we need to be free. And the word of God is what does this here. 
Jesus says this to the Father. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from Satan's power. Do you see that? Now, how many of y'all know Jesus prayed in faith? So if he prays in faith, he knows this this is a done deal. God's going to answer his prayer. So because of that, you and I have the ability to be kept safe from Satan's power. That means Satan does not have free license to come in your room and come in your house and mess with your car and mess with your family and mess, mess. No, he doesn't have that free reign. Oh, yes, he does. We're in this world. No, he doesn't. That's you going by what what people have experienced. But the truth of the word does not change based on somebody else's experience. You see, he told he said, keep them from keep them safe from Satan's power. Are you getting this? Now, Satan's power, you know, y'all remember John 10, 10? Yes. Put John 10, 10 on the screen, please. John 10, 10 in the uh, New King James. You can go back right back there. John 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. So here's what Satan comes to do. This is what he tries to, tries to exercise his power to do. To steal and to kill and to destroy. Well, y'all know that one, don't you? Okay, but he, Jesus prayed in John 17 that we be kept safe from Satan's power. So that means he does not have the ability if we yield. I'll, I'll get to this here in a little bit. If we yield to him to steal, kill, and destroy from us. Jesus already superseded Satan's power. Remember Jesus Christ in Matthew 28 talks about how when he was raised again from the dead, the Bible says he, he was raised again with all power in his hands. How much power? How much power? So if he has all of it, then how much does Satan have? None. Y'all saying that real timidly. How much does Satan have? None. Not a drop, not a lick. And yet people are afraid of him like he can do something. And the truth is he can't do anything. He can only do what you allow him to do. You have to yield to him to let him still kill and destroy. Boy, this is some faith shot right here. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it how? More abundantly. So he's come to give us uh, a, a quality life free from the harassment and molestation of the enemy. Glory to God. Now, I want to go to, to Ephesians chapter 2, please. Ephesians 2. If you're in John, just keep heading to the right. Ephesians chapter 2. Because God loved us enough to send Jesus so we could be delivered from evil and live beautiful lives. Did you get that? Look at Ephesians 2, please. And I'm going to start reading at verse 4. Verse 4. But God, I like that. I'm going to start at verse 1. And you he made alive. 
who were dead in trespasses and sins. This is what Joe was talking about 12 years ago. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. That's how we used to walk. According to the prince of the, of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in who? The sons of disobedience. Now that's not you, is it? No, sir. Okay. I hope not because I, I want to deal with that today or Sunday here. Verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Oh, yeah. You used to do whatever felt good to you. Come on, help me out of here. Y'all are quiet, but I know this is right. You used to do whatever you felt big and bad enough to do. Whatever your flesh wanted to do, you just did it. Without a second thought. Your flesh wanted to flop around, you flopped around. Want to lay up, you would just want to lay up. And I don't mean by yourself. And were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, here we go. But God. Who is rich in mercy because of his what? great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus y'all got that Glory to God. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So notice, notice in, in verse, verse 5 and 6, it says, he made us alive together. Then it says, verse 6, raised us up together. Then it says, made us sit together. So notice what we've been, something has happened to us. We used to be dead in trespasses and sins. We used to be old sinners. <laughs> right? But God, while we were still sinners, loved us so much. Can you imagine that? Loving us so much while we were still no good, dirty, rotten scoundrels. But he loved us that much. And because of that love, he's made us alive, raised us up, and made us sit together in heavenly places. Okay? Now, this, this, this phrase raised us up together. I got to use the whole phrase because the Greek uh, captures, it captures the whole phrase, raises us up together. It's the Greek word synagiro, uh, I think that's how I said. If I'm wrong, just charge it to my head. But notice what it means here. This is what he did when he raised us up together. It says it means to raise together, to cause to raise together. It means to raise up together from mortal death to a new and blessed life dedicated to God. Notice he says, you and I have been raised up from mortal death. We were dead men walking. To a new and blessed, I didn't add it in, this is right out of, out of your concordance there. New and blessed life dedicated to God. 
Now, I want you to note in your text, go back to the text, look at verse uh, 5, 6, and 7. It says, made us alive together. Now, made, I'm not the sharpest knife in a drawer, but I, I believe made is past tense. Okay? Made us. Verse 6. Verse 6. Raised. Past tense. And made us. Past tense. That means this is already done. It's already done. He's made us, raised us, and then made us. Something already done. That means it's done now. Which means that, that for you and me, this is our spiritual position now. I've already been raised up together with him. I've already been made alive. Glory to God. I mean, it's interesting. A lot of Christians believe we've been made alive, but don't understand we've been raised up too. Don't, don't, don't realize we've been made to sit together with him. I should say, no, sit together in him. To sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see? So we are, we are already in that divine position now. I don't know. I want to do you understand who you are. See, I don't want you to see yourself low man on a totem pole. I want you to see yourself raised up out of the dung hill, out of the ash heap. That, that's what the Bible says in, in the book of Psalms that God raised up, up the poor out of the ash heap and makes them sit among princes. That's what God does. So he raised us up and put us in a place of prominence and authority. That's why you and I don't know ever have to fear the devil because we are above him. That's why we don't worship angels or bow down to angels. We are above them. Angels are God's servants. We're God's sons and daughters. See, we've been raised up to a position, a status. Are y'all catching this here? Spiritually. That was impossible before Jesus Christ came, died, and rose again. But when he came, and when he died, and when he rose again, we were raised up with him. You've heard us say this before. Jesus Christ came down to the earth, became like we were, so that when he rose up, we could come up with him and become like he is. That's why your Bible says in 1 John 4, even as he is, so are we in this world as he is. In other words, we've been put on the same level as Jesus. Y'all catch that? The Bible calls Jesus Christ the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8, 29 and 30. We were predestined to be conformed to the image of, of, of the son, that we might be, he might be the firstborn among many brethren. See? See? So we've been raised up. Now, the thing for God is God's work now is to get us to let that inner reality manifest on the outside. That that person that you've been raised up to be on the inside, that person that you already are on the inside, that he'll, he'll be able to get us to uh, manifest it, to let him manifest it on the outside. So the whole world can see what already is taking place on the inside. Remember I gave you the story of Jesus in Matthew 17, Mark 9 is the same story. Him on the mount, of, the mount we call Mount Transfiguration, Mount Transfiguration, where he, he showed his insides. The glory showed through him. 
you see? And God wants us to show what's on the inside, this inner reality, this new grace of reality to show up on the outside. Y'all got this? Now let's go back to Ephesians 2 and drop down to verse 10, and I'm going to ask them to put it in the Amplified Bible because we just read about how we've been made alive, raised up together, now made to sit together in him, right? So look at chapter 2, verse 10, Amplified. It says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do what? which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should live in them, li- that, sorry, that we should walk in them, living what? The good life. The what? Good the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Anybody else excited about that besides me? That he already prearranged and made ready a good life for us to live. Now, this, is, this follows what we just read, but God was rich in mercy because of his love for us. He raises up together with Christ, made us sit together in him in heavenly places. Then it talks about here in verse 10, there's this life that he wants us to live now. So, in other words, he wants what's on the inside to manifest on the outside. Are y'all getting this tonight? Okay, now, now let's go back to the new King James because I, I want you to see this. What's done on the inside is done. But he needs to do something to get this on the outside. In Ephesians 2 verse 8, in the, back in the New King James Version. I remember we just read, he's made us alive, raised us up together, and now made us sit together in him in heavenly places. All right, that he might show the exceeding greatness, you know, kindness toward us, right? Okay, now look at verse 8. Verse 8. This is all in the same text. Remember, I skipped to verse 10 purposely because I want you to see what he's getting us to in verse 10. But I want to go back now to verse 8 and 9 to see something in the middle of this equation. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God for by grace you have been saved through faith when you release your faith to believe in Jesus Christ grace God's ability came upon you you were saved that way And that not of yourselves. In other words, that faith didn't come from you. You receive the measure of faith, Romans 12, 3. It is the gift of God. Y'all got that? I don't know. Y'all got that? It is the gift of God. The ability to believe was a gift of God. Jesus said, no man comes to me except the Father draws him. It's a gift from God. Salvation is a gift. It's a gift. It's not, it's not from you. You just received it. You got it? Now I'm going to keep going because there's another, another thing you're going to see in this next verse. Verse 9. Verse 9. Verse 9. Not of works. 
Okay, now go back to verse 8. Not of yourselves. Go back to verse 9. Not of works. Go back to verse 8. Not of yourselves. Now go back to verse 9. Not of works. Lest. So there's no room for boasting when none of it came from you. Boasting is a sign of arrogance and pride. Romans 10, 1, Paul goes to this speech about the children of Israel. He said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. For our brethren record, they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. He said, they've gone about, they've not established, they, they've gone about establishing their own righteousness, not, a, not, submitted, not submitted, not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. See, the righteousness of God is not of yourself. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. But when you try to establish your own righteousness, it's, look what I have done. Look what I did. How'd you, get, how, how'd you become righteous? Oh, I fasted three days. I prayed six hours. Wonderful. That's great. See, and if you could do those things to get saved, then you have room to boast. But since you and I can't do that, there's no works we could have done absolutely anything we could have done on this earth to get saved then it's, we know it's a free gift from God. We received it, so we have no room to boast. Now, if in your salvation experience you can't boast, then how is it going to be in the rest of your life you have any room to boast that you've done something yourself? No room for boasting. No more boasting. Now, it is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest anyone, lest anyone should boast. So I don't have any room to boast. With another song we just sang, y'all probably don't know this one, the Baptist church. If it had not been for the Lord, on my side, tell me where would I be? I know y'all do. Where would I be? He kept my enemies away. He wrapped me in the cradle, Lord. He knew I had been battered by the storm, so if it had not been for the Lord on my side, tell me where would I be? Where would I See, you have, to, you have to keep that mentality. Every day. From the moment you get saved to the day you leave this planet. 
If it had not been for the Lord on our side, we would have still been drinking and sinking and tanking and sipping and tipping and dipping and tripping and stuck and like Chuck. Y'all ain't saying much to me. Some, some of y'all forgot. You already forgot. You already forgot. No, baby, you didn't get over with willpower if it had not been the Lord on your side. When you were in the club and those shots rang off, pop, 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 pop. If it had been the Lord on your side. See? No good and well, you should have, would have, could have been dead by now. See? So now, as we continue this walk and run this race, we've got to stay in that humble position so that God can take what has happened on the inside and begin to manifest it on the outside. Because let's go to our main scripture in Psalm uh, 149. Psalm 149. It's getting hot in here. Psalm 149. And I wasn't singing a song. I mean, literally getting hot in here. Psalm 149, our main verse, verse 4. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with what? Salvation. So I begin to share with you on Sunday about this word, um, beautify. The word beautify is the Hebrew word pa'ar, which means to glorify, to beautify, adorn, to gleam. It means to embellish. So notice what it says he will do. He does this. Remember, salvation was a gift. Nothing that you, that you did but receive. So when it comes now to beautifying you, he does that too. He beautified. Then, then I gave you the word salvation. Remember that? Uh, the word Yeshua means salvation, deliverance, welfare. That means fair and well. Prosperity, victory, and health. That's what that word Yeshua means. Okay? So he'll beautify a certain group of people. Thank you, Lord. With salvation, deliverance, welfare, prosperity, victory, and health. Let me go back to this. This is what I just heard. It says the Lord takes pleasure in his people. But it did not say he will beautify his people with salvation. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, I didn't. He takes pleasure in his people. He's happy with you. But to do something with you that he wants to do, that group just, we got now have a subgroup. I mean, we're, we're all his people in this house, right? Every one of us, if you're born again, we're, we're his people. But there's a subgroup. Now, you can be in the subgroup. I want you to be in the subgroup. I'm trying to make sure we're all in that subgroup. But just because you're in the group is not a guarantee you're in the subgroup. The subgroup is the humble. He takes pleasure in all of his people, but he'll... He can beautify or he will 
beautify the humble or the meek with salvation. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Now, so we see something here. This qualifier I gave you on Sunday. This qualifier for being beautified. Not about your gender, not about your uh, ethnicity, your nationality, your education, your neighborhood, your family name. Here's one qualifier the Lord gives. He'll beautify the humble with salvation. Now that word humble I gave you is the Hebrew word anav, which means poor, it means humble, it means afflicted, it means meek, it means needy, it means weak, it means lowly. Okay? So we, we see the word poor in there, and it's good to know that God will take the poor, financially poor, and raise people up. He'll do that. I said he'll do that. I'm glad he'll do that. Because when he found me, I was poor. <laughs> when I got saved, I was poor. And between getting poor and doing well, I, I ended up poor. I lost the O and the R. <laughs> I did. I, I went backwards, man. I went, <laughs> I went from poor to poor. Oh, now, tell the truth. Some of y'all, some of y'all will admit you, you be the devil. How you thinking that stuff? You're like, man, I was do, I wasn't doing bad when I was in the world, boy. I got saved. See, like I started shooting bad. I know what shooting bad means, right? You go from poor to poor. <laughs> My O and R got repossessed on me, man. I don't want to talk about repossession, man. I've been, I went through that a few times, Lord of mercy. That ain't nothing nice when they repossess a car, boy. Hallelujah. But, but for general purposes, I'm not talking about that kind of, of humble. I'm talking about being humble as opposed to proud or haughty or arrogant. Because I don't know how many of y'all caught the lesson this morning that uh, Minister Laquanda gave a beautiful lesson this morning on Jesus being meek and lowly. And, uh, but she brought up Moses. I, I referenced him on Sunday about how Moses, the Bible says, how he was the uh, most humble man on the earth. And yet, in a moment, he got lifted up. He, 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 he messed up and didn't go into the promised land. He got to see it with his eyes, but did not go and experience the promised land. You see? So I want to make sure that you and I are all uh, walking humbly before our God. <laughs> Okay, and don't don't let pride and arrogance and hardness uh, keep us from walking in the fullness of God. Proverbs twenty two verse four. I gave you this on Sunday. This is a math a math formula here. This is one plus one equals two. It says by humility and fear of the Lord. That's humility plus fear of the Lord equals riches. Come on. I love it when it's that easy to understand. You don't, you don't need a, a degree in theology to get that. <laughs> you don't need, you need to have a doctorate in, you know, humanities and all that kind of stuff. You just, no, I understand that. Humility plus fear of the Lord equals riches and honor and life. Okay? Thank you, Lord. You also don't need a medical degree to understand this right here. Proverbs 18, verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. 
Normally, when a, when a house burns down, they call in the fire investigators to tell them what caused the house to burn down. I can tell you right here. If your house burns down, I'm not talking about your physical house. I'm talking about destruction in our lives. Before destruction, come on, help me out now. I, I mean, I just, I just finished off the arson investigation right there. We can wrap it up. You know, you go to a doctor to find out, I don't know why I'm having these pains. I don't know why I'm having that. And they're going to do some reasons for, oh, it's because of this right here. I'm giving you the cause right here. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. Okay? So if we, if we keep experiencing destruction in our lives. Now, remember, who's coming to, to do the destruction? The devil. So if we keep experiencing that, it's not because God's given the devil power back. It's because somehow we've gotten haughty. Lift it up and begin doing things our own way. Yes. The Bible says in Proverbs, the foolishness of man perverts his way and his heart frets against the Lord. Y'all ever read that? Y'all read that each yes. month? The foolishness of man perverts his way. In other words, causes ruin and his heart frets against the Lord. Proverbs 19.3, they got it. The foolishness of a man twists his way and his heart frets against the Lord. That, some, some translation says ruins his life. So it's not God doing it. And truth be told, doesn't look like the devil's doing it. Now he's behind it. But he can't do what I don't let him do. Somehow he had to trick me into trusting in my own heart. Bible says over the book of Jeremiah, the heart of man is deceitful, yeah. wicked above all things, okay? All right. Now, so I begin to go with, through, through this on Sunday. Man, get caught up in review. How, how do you know if and when you're being humble or haughty or arrogant? Okay, what are the symptoms? I gave you one we, we got stuck in on Sunday, Psalm 34, verse 1 and 2, Psalm 34, verse 1 and 2. They can throw it on the screen for me. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord. How, I mean, how often? At all, times. At all times. His praise shall continually. This is how praise worship people do. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This is what I'm going to do. Then verse 2, verse 2. My soul shall make us boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. And I put you to the test. I said, are you glad when other people boast in the Lord? When somebody testifies, I went to Taco Bell, went through the line to get some tacos and found my meals already paid for. Do you go, that don't ever happen to me. <laughs> no, we get happy, we rejoice. The Bible says we rejoice with them that rejoice. Right? So I'm supposed to get happy. I'm so, it says the righteous shall hear of it and be glad. I'm supposed to get as excited, nearly as excited as you are. Wow, the Lord bless you with a new place to live. Wow, that's awesome. You got another car? Great, praise God. Your daughter got saved? Praise God. The Lord healed you and you were dealing with that for 15 years and you finally got healed? You manifested? Praise God. Not 
move. I don't know why it happened to me. Remember I told you on Sunday what we do is either pout or criticize or theorize. See, you got to be careful you're not criticizing people with their testimony or theorizing. They probably did something, you know, underhanded with you. I don't know what they did. And the devil will help you theorize. The devil will give you all kinds of scenarios as to how they got blessed. He'll tell you everything but God did it. Because somehow we'll get in our mind God going to do those things for us because we earned it. That's what we're saying. Y'all missed it. Not of yourselves. Not of works. Let's any man should boast. So if God blesses you, it's not because of something you did. See, if you think you can earn his blessings, then you look down at somebody who gets blessed like, They've been, they ain't even been living right. I've been coming to church every service. Boy, y'all are quiet and I like it. 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 You start, you start putting yourself on a merit system. And you'll start looking at people like, well, God, if you did that for them, well, I deserve. When is it my time? Because I deserve, I've been serving you all these years. I've been faithful. Let's, let's go in this, in this next part here tonight. Y'all can, you can deal with that on your own. <laughs> Marinate on that for a little while. Stop theorizing. Stop criticizing. Stop pouting. Stop evaluating. Stop comparing yourself. You're, oh, well, look, but I, but I, did, I did that. Amen. It's the goodness of God. I said it's the goodness of God. I always tell people when they first get saved, look out for God's welcome package. It's coming. God's going to give you a welcome package and say, hey, welcome. I've been, I've been waiting on you all this time. I had this stored up for you. And if you look at there and like, well, I've been, I've been in church 25 years. I ain't get nothing. Oh, you just missed it. It was back. It was <laughs> okay, let me give you an example because y'all still don't. Luke 15, there's a story of a prodigal son. He's going to ring a bell now. This prodigal son told his dad, give me all my inheritance. I'm taking it now. I'm going. I'm going to do my own thing. He went out there, did his own thing. The, you know, they theorized. He ran with harlots, ran all the kind of people. He parted, spent up all his money. Ended up broke, living in a pig pen, right? Feeding pigs, which was totally wrong for a Jewish boy to do. Got so hungry, desired to eat the food that, they, that the pigs had. But then he got it in his mind. Wait a minute. My, the servants in my father's house have more than I have right now. They have bread enough to spare. I'm going to get back and go home to my father's house. He went back, and y'all know what happened. The father ran to him and grabbed hold of him, wouldn't let him uh, demote himself. Remember, the son went back saying, I'm going to just, hey, I, don't, don't, make me, don't, don't make me a son. Let me just be a servant. And before he could get it out, the father said, no, 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 no. no. You can't demote yourself. You, that. you can't demote yourself. 
You're my son and I love you anyway. Bring out the fatted calf. Bring a ring put on his finger. Bring sandals put on, on his feet. Put, put a brand new robe on him. Adorn him like a, like a son. Then let's throw a party. They start throwing that party. And the elder son came out. Nah, he's not hearing and being glad. He heard. Sound like a party going on. What's going on? Well, your, 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 your brother who was out there, he came back. And the father came out and said, son, what's the problem? He said, I've been serving you all these years. I should have earned enough merits. I should have earned a party. And you never gave me a little kid, a little, a little goat. And you give him the fatted calf? And the father said, well, son, everything I have is yours. You can throw your own party anytime you want to. See, but the son, but that, that, that elder son was measuring the other son against himself. And thought that if, that if that's what he got, what, what, I should get something. See, we got to be careful we don't do that. That's an hardness. That's an, that's, a, that's an arrogance. As if the father didn't have the right to do what he wanted to do with what was his. God's got a right to bless anybody he wants to bless. God can touch anybody he wants to touch. God can raise up anybody he wants to raise up. Now, Pastor, you telling me I don't have to live right? I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you that. Don't go out here talking about pastors that I can live in the way I want to live and God's still going to bless me. It's not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is celebrate with everybody who gets blessed. And don't let hardness creep into your heart and make you compare yourself and think you, that you earned something. Y'all got it? Okay, let's go to another place here. 1 Peter chapter 5, please. 1 Peter chapter 5. All near the end of the book. 1 Peter chapter 5. Hallelujah. Y'all learning anything tonight so far? 1 Peter 5. I'm going to read verses 5 through 7. Got it? It says, likewise. Uh, everybody got it? Okay. Because it gets kind of rough. That's what I want to make sure everybody got it. And you see it in your Bible. I'm not just reading this. This is your Bible. Likewise, you younger people. It's the S word. The S word is in the Bible. Submit yourselves to your elders. See how quiet it is? It's in the Bible. Submit yourselves to your elders. That means people who are over you and older than you. Both of them. No, you can't tell me nothing. We got a generation now that's being trained to just not listen to anybody. Tell them anything. Raised to question everything. 
because now we're so intelligent, we're more intelligent than God. Train, you just question everything. Question, just, just question. Don't, 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 just, don't just follow. Question everything. Wait a minute, not, not here, not in the kingdom. Not in the kingdom. Question that stuff at school. Question that. But in the kingdom, no, it says, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, all of you now, be submissive to one another. Uh-huh. Y'all, y'all getting this? So, can, can you submit to those who are over you? I'm talking about humility now. I'm talking about that subgroup. Do you find it hard or do you find it easy to submit to those who are over you and those around you? I, 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 I contend based on what I've seen in the church, in the body of Christ and this church, many people have a very hard time submitting to their elders and or those around them. Oh boy. Most people find themselves resisting instruction. This is not your elder telling you go go polish my shoes. We're not talking about that. We're talking about receiving instruction, receiving correction. Come on. Receiving admonition. Glory to God. What's admonition, Pastor? It's, it's cautionary warnings. It's reproof. And somebody say, hey, you don't need to do that. Don't go there. It's my life. Oh, boy, okay. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I'm just telling you. While a lot of people get themselves in trouble. Because see, God puts this family together for a reason. And families help protect each other. So as family, if I notice some danger that you're about to walk into, you don't want me to say anything? If, if, if you notice some danger that my child is about to walk into, you don't think I want you to say something? And I've seen folk get hot, stinking mad. You say something to their child, don't, 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 don't tell my child that. I remember we had, uh, years ago, our youth ministry, years ago, and I remember years ago, youth ministry, and people just got hot, stinking mad and left the church because you said something to their child. Well, I, I thought we were family. I thought we're family. I thought, isn't that what family do? I, I, don't, I don't need the auntie who won't let my child cut up. I don't need the auntie who say, well, oh, it's your mama house. You can't watch that. But in my house, you can watch whatever you want to. Uh-uh, you can't go over, over that auntie house no more. I need auntie to see the same thing I see in this word. 
And if there's something that, that, that my eye doesn't catch, if you catch it, please say something to my child. See? See, likewise, you young people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be clothed or be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. He's describing us what humility looks like. Submission is humility. Submission is humility. It's, I want to do it this way, but my elders or somebody who sees something different tells, no, hey, don't do that. It's going to be this way. It's going to be better this way. Thomas, how many times we sit there in the men's breakfast and tell these boys, you know, the teenage boys and the younger boys, hey, hey, where y'all trying to go, we've already been there. You don't want to go there. We already been through all that mess, all that turmoil, all that pain. Don't go down that road. And it seems like the more you tell people stuff, more the more they try to, they going to press the gas. They say don't go down that road, they going to turn. Switch on the turbo, Deacon, go down that road. Well, what do you, what do you think? You think we, well, you don't, you don't want me to have fun. Don't want you to have fun. I want you to have fun. But I want you to be alive. I want you when you wake up in the morning <laughs> to still have your dignity and your integrity and your honesty and your no regrets. The Bible talks about what, what profit do you have now in those things that you are ashamed of. Come on now, there are things that in my life that I did before I gave my life to Jesus Christ fully that I'm ashamed of. I'm like, oh Lord, I don't, want, I don't want to think about that. And ain't the God bringing it, it was the devil trying to bring it back up to you. No profit in that stuff. <laughs> See? But I have to submit myself to somebody. Glory to God. See, this is, this is, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road right here. Because submission means I want to do something else. Because this is where we see haughtiness and arrogance. That is pride. Where if you don't, if you and I don't lick that, it'll keep us from being beautified with salvation. And we'll stay the same or get worse. That's what tends to happen. You see? Now, why does it say, that, say this here? Look at what he says here. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, why does God resist the proud? Because the proud resist him. That's what pride is all about. That's what arrogance is all about. It's resisting God. It's resisting his word. It's resisting the truth. If you ever get a chance, get a chance before, this, before this Sunday, read the entire book of, Rome, the entire book of Romans chapter 1. Yes. The entire first chapter of Romans. Yes. And you'll see what happens when people, they just resist God. They resist the truth. They resist the truth. And when people resist the truth... God turns them over, the Bible says. Y'all, y'all, are y'all catching that? 
You know, we talk about the, the, the homosexuality in, in America or the nation. It's, it's all covered in Romans 1. People like to say the Bible doesn't talk about that. It all does talk about it. <laughs> talk explicitly about it. But it's not just homosexuality. It goes way beyond that into, into disobedient to parents. It's all, that, all that's in that same list. But what's happened? When people resist the truth, the Bible says God turns them over. Truth keeps coming. Oh, I don't want to hear that. Well, I'll turn you over. What happens when you're finally turned over to a place where your mind is reprobate, your heart is seared, there will no longer be salvation. My, my wife called me yesterday. Was that yesterday? Uh, about. Well, what I mean, I was in the office and you called, or I was home maybe. Jonathan had a question about his schoolwork. About about after the rapture, would there be a chance for people to be saved? And I and I I said, well, you got to understand this. Everybody needs to hear this. After the rapture, when Jesus comes back and the church is called away, those of us who have already heard the truth, there will no longer be a chance for salvation. See, because what what's happened is. You, you heard the truth and resisted it. See, and there are some people who teach, and it's, it's true, that there will be people saved after the rapture. But they're going to have to go through a tribulation and have their heads cut off. That's what's in the Bible. They're going to have to have their heads cut off in order to be saved. Okay? But those who've already heard the truth, the Bible says God will send, God will send a strong delusion. God from God. It says God's going to send a strong delusion. When he sends a strong delusion, that means you will no longer have the ability to even know the truth. Because that's God saying you resisted so long, now I'm, I'm done. That's why I kept telling our praise team, stop singing that song, don't give up on God because he won't give up on you. Oh yes he will. Oh yes he will. That's what the Bible said. He, it says he is going to send a strong delusion. From him. Not, not from the devil, from God. See, so people, that, why, why do you think we, we are so adamant about preaching this about, hey, get saved and your kids, get, don't let your kids sit up and go to sleep every Sunday? Because they're sitting there hearing this word. They're hearing it. And if they resist it, and you ain't in a bed <laughs> in it. That's, that's loving them right to hell. You don't want your children to go to hell. Well, no, my children are not going to go to hell. Well, if they don't receive Jesus Christ, yes, they are. That's a reality. Because here's what you got to understand about the truth. How much truth is being preached out here now? I mean, the truth is, is covering much of the planet. It's hard for us to escape the truth of God's word. It's, it's being preached on satellite, radio, television, everywhere. Internet, it's everywhere. But people will hear that and resist it. I'm talking about the world, sinners, people in the world. They, they, just, they just resist it. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. People you've talked to, 
They don't want to hear that. They resist it. And the Bible says God's going to send a strong delusion. Okay? You turn me off for long enough, now you're done. Oh, boy. Why? Because what, at this point I was trying to get to with that, there, there was a haughtiness. There was an arrogance that existed in people. I don't need that. Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool's holiday is coming up soon, April Fool's Day. That's the, that's the atheist holiday. <laughs> Fool says there's no God. Although the Bible says all of creation declares God's glory. You can't look around you and not see the glory of God being declared. Everywhere you look, every tree, every bird, every animal, you see the glory of God being seen. You see it just looking at each other and all the beautiful faces. You're seeing the glory of God. You see? But the fool says, that ain't God. There's no God. Man, humanism is pride and arrogance. It's pride and arrogance. It's our way. We figured out this out by science. Forget what the word of God says. Our science tells us that's arrogance, that's pride. It's haughtiness. Well, we're over time. Yeah, you want to do this before it's too late. That's <laughs> but it says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. That word resists, the Hebrew word antitheism, Tasoto, which means to range in battle against. It says God ranges in battle against the proud. That's what that word it is, and it means to range in battle against the proud. So when you and I if you and I were to let pride and arrogance get in there, he now, we, we go to battle against God. I, I, I just got to give you a little heads up on that. You're going to lose that one, right? <laughs> we're going to lose that one. But gives grace to the humble. That word grace is the Hebrew, is the Greek word rather, charis. It means that which affords joy, pleasure, delight. This is what he's given to the humble. Sweetness, charm, loveliness, goodwill, loving kindness, favor. That's what that Greek word is, charis. We know it's the power, the ability of God, but this is what that ability gift is doing. It's affording you joy. This is what he's giving now. To who? Joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, goodwill, loving kindness, favor. But the one who allows pride and arrogance to get in there, you got to go to go to blows with you. <laughs> All right, let me finish this because 
Uh, I think I lost y'all on the whole rapture thing here. Well, this is the truth. Hey, Jesus is coming. The only reason he hasn't come yet because God is long-suffering, not willing that any man should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's trying to get many people as we can saved. That's why it's imperative that you and I live the life and tell the story to everybody we meet because people need to be saved. Now, if they resist the truth, that's on them, but we have, to, we have the obligation to tell it, Okay? All right, let me, let me finish off on 1 Peter 5, verse 7, verse 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may do what? Exalt you, exalt you in due time. That word exalt is the Greek word hupsou, hupsuo, whatever, I don't, I don't know, I'm not Greek. Which means to lift up on high, to exalt. Metaphorically, it means to raise to the very summit of opulence, and prosperity, to exalt, to raise to dignity, honor, and happiness. I don't know if y'all caught that. It says that he may do this to you in due time. Humble yourself, and this, he's going to do this to you. He's going to lift us up on high, exalt us, raise us to the very summit. Summit is top. Of opulence. What's opulence, Pastor? It's wealth, it's affluence, it's abundance, it's profusion. Profusion. It means to have a lot of something. That's what opulence means. I don't have to make this up. This is in your dictionary. But he says he'll raise us to the very top of it, exalt us, to raise us to dignity, honor, and happiness. How does it happen? It's by humbling ourselves. That means. You and I don't do this ourselves. We didn't save ourselves. We just received. Y'all got it? All right. Let me close out here. Talk about one more thing. And I'll preach about something different Sunday. And I think this humble, this humility thing might be hurting us, boy. We think. <laughs> uh, I hear you. So he says he'll exalt us in what? Now, now he's going to tell us how to humble ourselves. Here's, a, here's an act of humility. Verse 7. Casting all your care upon him. Here is humility. Casting all your care upon him. When you and I take all of our cares, all of the worries, the anxieties, all the frustration, and let it go and let him have it, it's humility. If we're worried, it's a sign of arrogance. Oh, you might want to hold that. If you're worried, it's a sign of arrogance. If you're anxious, because he just told us here's how we humble ourselves, casting our care on him. So if I don't cast it, I'm not humbling myself, which means I must be stuck in hardness or arrogance. So if I worry or if I stay anxious, it's a sign of arrogance. It's me thinking I have to work it out myself. 
It's me thinking I have to provide for myself. It's me thinking I have to, I have to protect myself. That's what the cares are all about. So if I carry that and try to do it myself, it's an arrogance. It's arrogance. Hello, 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 somebody. It's arrogance. Glory to God. Remember my wife and I were trying to come out of debt. Amen. And I was doing everything. I was doing everything. I, I was doing everything. And she had to help me and the Lord helped me through her big time. Hey, God's going to do this. God will do this. Not you. And I, yeah, I had to submit to, to the Lord. I had to submit to her on that. Y'all men didn't like that. I had to submit to her on that. Because other than that, we wouldn't have had any shoes for our kids and everything. I would take every dime we had and put every dime we had on debt. I was trying to do it myself. And not allowing God to do it for me. For us. He didn't need our help. Y'all got this here? So if you, if you right now are worried about something, that's you thinking you're in charge. You're in control. Relinquish that. Release that. Humble yourself. Cast that care over on God. God, I can't fix this thing. I can't work this out. I can't meet my own needs. I can't protect myself. I can't do any of this. I cast it on you. What are you doing? You're humbling yourself. When you do that, now he says, that battle is no longer yours, it's mine. See? And when you, you and I do that, now God can move in our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I have some more to talk about. I'll talk about it maybe Sunday. We'll see how the Lord says that. So I got to cast all my care on him. So if you go on to bed tonight, worried, you are being arrogant. It's a tough one, but it's real. Or if you're staying up at night, trying to figure it out, that's you being arrogant, prideful, haughty, not not submitted, not humble. Parents, if your child, your child kept asking you, um, how are we going to pay the light bill? going to be able to eat this month? What do you say to that child? Hey, put that child back in a child's place. Put that child back in a child's place. That's none of your business. Isn't that what you say to your child? Well, guess what God is trying to say to me and you? Get back in a child's place. That's none of your business. I'm your father and I'm a good father. I know how to take care of you. I know how to provide for you. I know how to protect you. I know how to bless you. Go back to your playroom and just play.
Thank you. I'm glad somebody felt that was good. Because that's how we got we to operate like that. Hallelujah. Now, let's stand. Over in, uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it talks about let every man examine himself, test himself to see whether he's in the faith. So in other words, it calls for a self-examination. I'm never here to judge or, or criticize anybody. I'm always here just to give you markers, just like God has to give me, to judge yourself like I have to judge myself. In fact, if we judge ourselves, nobody else has to judge us. That's really how it works. So, I'm going to pray here in just a second, but I really want everybody in here to just close your eyes for a minute and just, just do a personal assessment, just a quick assessment, and think about maybe some place in your life, maybe you've not submitted to elders or others around you who've been trying to give you cautionary advice, or some place where maybe you are still worried about something, still anxious about some area of your life and have not cast that care over on the Lord. That thing that first thing in the morning you wake up is still right there in your mind. You got to cast it. You got to cast that. You're not a beast of burden. You're not designed to carry that load. God didn't want you to have that kind of anxiety or worry or frustration. He wants every one of us to be free to be just like children and enjoy life and live carefree. Just enjoy life. Just enjoy life. That's what we heard this morning from Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest to your souls, for your souls. Jesus wants us to learn how to just flow freely like him. Jesus was sitting there facing a crowd of 5,000 men, women and children, and they're all hungry. He didn't get frazzled. He knew exactly what he was going to do. What? He was going to say, Father, we need food for all his people. (laughs) See? God doesn't want you worried about the first of the month or the 10th or the 20th of the month. Staring down the barrel of due dates. He didn't want us getting on courses or paths to destruction. So he'll send people to come along and kind of give you a nudge. Hey, don't go that way. People come along and sometimes that nudge may seem rough. God knows what we need many times to get our attention so we don't 
fall over a cliff. Thank God for having family. Church family, brothers and sisters who will say something. <laughs> we need that. I was telling the prayer groups this morning how, how extremely thankful I am for having church family. It means more to me now than it ever has in my whole life. In times like these, boy, if you don't have family, church family, household of faith, light precious faith, you're in trouble. Don't isolate yourself. Don't alienate yourself. Boy, it's, it's, it's critical to have family of faith. Now, Father, tonight we present ourselves to you. And once again, we ask you, Lord, to search us and try us, see if there be any wicked thing in us. Any thoughts, any areas of our lives where we're still holding on to things, cares, worries, anxieties, fears, any area of our lives where we've not submitted ourselves to you or to those that you sent to us to help us, to warn us, to admonish us, anywhere we've not submitted to instruction or to teaching from the word of God, anywhere we've let facts dominate us and not truth, anywhere we've let the ideologies of the world lead us and not your word lead us, God, we repent tonight and we ask you for your forgiveness. Forgive us for those times you were trying to lead us and guide us into green pastures and we resisted and had our own ideas. God, thank you for being such a loving, merciful, patient, and kind God that you didn't allow us to be consumed in our mistakes and our foolishness. But by your mercy, you drew us back to you, back on the right road. And though we may have some catching up to do, Lord, you're the God who knows how to accelerate our movement. You're the God who knows how to help us redeem the time. Thank you, Father, that we can catch up quickly, make up for lost time. And I'm asking you to do that for us in this place. Even those who may be watching online tonight, we ask you, Lord, that you would help each and every one of us to truly submit, to truly humble ourselves and not allow any arrogance, pride, or hardness to operate in our lives in any way, in any way. Hallelujah. For Lord, you said you resist the proud. We certainly don't want to be in a battle with you. We need you on our side. We need you, Lord, fighting for us, not against us. God, we yield ourselves to you tonight. I'm asking, Father, and each and every one of us, as we make this commitment tonight to humble ourselves before you, that, God, you'd help us in every thought, in every step, in every turn, and every opportunity we have to step over into pride again, 
Help us, God, to stay humble before you. We ask you, Lord, to let the voice of the Holy Ghost be loud in our hearts. That when we're about to veer off the right path, that, God, you bring us back, back into alignment with your word. Father, in this place, let this family be a family on one accord and at peace, that we encourage each other, we build each other up, that we allow each other, Father, to speak into our lives where there needs to be warning or admonition, Father, exhortation, and we don't, that we don't count everything as a tax. But knowing, Father, we need to be sharpened. We need to be developed. We need to be cut, Lord, to, be, to become what, you, what you've called us to be. That God, we are able to speak the truth to each other in love. And Father, we thank you that this house will be a house where your glory can manifest in a greater dimension than we've ever seen. Lord, we ask you for all these things and believe that they are done, done in us, for us, and through us. We pray it now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Put those hands together tonight and give God a praise tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, I pray that you've been blessed tonight by the word of God. Amen. And we take to heart everything that God has said to us tonight. Uh, Friday, uh, sorry, Saturday is our, the women's, uh, the ladies' brunch, uh, 10 a.m. to noon. Amen. And uh, we, I know we increased the capacity. It sold out again. Well, filled up again, I should say. It wasn't, wasn't a registration cost. Uh, again, 10 o'clock a.m., next door, building two. Uh, be here early. Don't come in at 10.15. Don't come in at 10.05. Come at 9-something. So you can already be seated, ready to go. Food can be served, and all the things that will happen on that day can happen uh, in a timely way. Amen. So uh, we look forward to you all having a great time on that day on Sunday.